You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Well, welcome inside the Farm Bureau studios. It's a Monday here in Startwell, Mississippi. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Agents all across the state of Mississippi. A great customer service, home life, auto, whatever, whatever you're in the market for with your insurance needs. Talk to our good friends at Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. And as we said, we are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startwell. And Charlie... Dogs dropped two out of three this weekend against the Missouri Tigers. Hey, listen, we've had a uh, had a rule we don't talk about basketball on this Monday. We don't talk about baseball. Uh, I don't know if we need to talk about baseball or not, Charlie. Who? That was a real gut punch yesterday, wasn't it? Not just the way you lost, but I mean losing was bad enough. Man, I don't know. I don't get that's two years in a row that you've struggled against a bad team. Yeah, Missouri's not very good. Last place in the SEC East. And then, uh, of course, the Tigers taking two out of three from us this weekend up in Columbia, Missouri. We won handily on Friday. They came back one big on Saturday. And then uh, yesterday's game hit the walk-off home run. Natchez, Mississippi kid. One who got away. Josh Day with the home run and uh, played a really good shortstop this weekend. So, hey, we're going to break away, do something a little bit different tonight and it's something that you know we've been out and about and have heard a lot of people talking about and it's been in the national news now for the last few months when you start talking about college sports and that is the NIL it's not NLI the national letter of intent this is the NIL and we talked about this a little bit on the periphery a couple months ago but Charlie everything's kind of changed right now and I think this is one thing that a lot of fans at a lot of different schools are talking about right now as far as the transfer portal, why players are going to certain teams. And so first and foremost, uh, what is the NIL and how do we get where we are right now? Yeah, and I think as we have that discussion, it's important to distinguish between NIL and the transfer portal because they are two different things, but they kind of have met head on to cause a a lot of issues and, and a lot of calls for discussion. So set aside for a minute the transfer portal and the one-time free transfer rule, that being where the NCAA used to be the rule that if you were transferring, you had to sit out a year before you became eligible. Then they came up with a graduate exception. So if you graduated, you could transfer. And here more recently, they've put in the rule that basically everybody gets one. Now in basketball, it seems everybody gets about half a dozen. I still haven't figured that out. But basketball... Well, there's a lot of things that have gone on with basketball over the years, so hard to explain that one. The only rule is there are no rules when it comes to basketball, but I digress. Yeah, pretty close at times. So, of course, NIL stands for Name, Image, and Likeness. And, man, we've had too many acronyms as it is, but NIL is just one that we've got to live with. So it really all got started back with, and and let me back up and say this, there's a lot of people who want to say, I like the old days. I don't like this. This is ruining sports. And a lot of people think it's an NCAA issue, but the NCAA really got backed into a corner. They didn't have any choice. And it all got started 
with a guy named Ed O'Bannon. Remember Ed O'Bannon? I do. He was on the team in 95 that, that put beat us, us out. That put us out in the Sweet 16. Yeah, and I felt like, man, if we had gotten past them. Of course, they went on to win the national championship that year. But Ed O'Bannon went on. He was a national champion. He played nine years in the NBA. And one day, Ed got upset because, you know how we have all these, we used to have back in the good old days, the college football games on PlayStation and that kind of thing. So you could stay up all night playing with what was in effect, your team's roster. You ever do that? Were you ever a video game guy? I was a little bit of a video game guy. I played more NBA. And, but, yeah, I played I played the college football game. I played I played a little bit of the basketball game. But I was more of an outside guy. I'm not, I'm not striking judgment whatsoever on people that play a lot of video games. But I just was never really that guy. But well, I did play it some. Well, Ed O'Bannon filed a lawsuit. Ultimately, there became a class action. A lot of guys joined in this. They don't get the publicity. I think Bill Russell was in it, many other people. But the gist of it was the idea that the NCAA shouldn't be able to profit off the image and the name of guys who had played and then not share the compensation with them. And he basically what he said, I think in his lawsuit, it was really targeted to once you have graduated, then you ought to be able to at least get compensated then. So the Ed O'Bannon case wound its way through the courts, and ultimately there was a decision that the NCAA had violated some antitrust rules. Move forward, and then there was a case not too long ago called the Alston case, A-L-S-T-I-N. And basically what they said was, in that case, it was limited to the idea that the schools and the NCAA could not put limits on the amount of educational money that players could get. And even though it was limited to that, Justice Kavanaugh, among others, and by the way, it was a 9-0 opinion, Justice Kavanaugh basically said, this doesn't make sense. Everybody's getting rich off college sports except the guys who are playing. And when you ask the NCAA why those guys can't make money, and they say, well, they're amateurs. And you say, well, why can't amateurs get paid? Because amateurs don't get paid. It was kind of a circular reasoning. And so all this is coalescing at the same time that states, and it started with California, passed legislation that basically said the NCAA can't come in this state and enforce a law that keeps a player from profiting off their own name, their own image, their own likeness. Basically, you want to sell a jersey with their name on it, they've got a right to profit off that too. Other states, Mississippi included, followed suit, and all this just kind of collided, and basically the game was up. The NCAA really didn't have a choice but to say, okay, these guys can make money off their name just like anybody else can. And all that went into effect July 1, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we're playing playing with a new game. So essentially we won the last national championship the way it used to be, is what you're saying. Well, that's one way to look at it. Exactly. Okay, here's the question I've got. And, you know, just looking around the country, and I understand, when you start looking at newspaper clippings and things, of the, are there such things as newspaper clippings anymore? Do people actually read the paper? Or sometimes they read it online if they're willing to, to subscribe to the 99-cent-a-month edition and then cancel it and get it back? Okay. I don't know. I don't have a paper that I read. Anyway, long story short, a lot of times the headlines are the guys getting these massive deals and everybody's like, man, college sports is going to the wayside. Are there any kind of limits at all in this deal? Yeah, there's several, and they bear some emphasis. Obviously, they're to some degree a creature of state law. So a university can come in and say to a player, 
hey, you can't advertise beer, you can't advertise marijuana, you can't advertise adult clubs. Those kind of things, there are some reasonable restrictions that they can place on that. They can also limit the ability of a player to wear a university's logo. So, like, a player doesn't necessarily have the right to wear Mississippi State gear while doing their NIL work. The other thing they can do is limit what players do in competition. So if a school, for example, let's take Mississippi State. Mississippi State has a deal with Adidas. There's nothing that says a player can't go do a deal with Nike, but they can't wear that during competition. They can't enter into an agreement that basically tries to supersede what the university's agreement is. If the university says we're swinging Louisville Slugger bats, they can't show up with a deal with Easton. So basically, the universities can limit it within that range. But the other thing is, and this is the one that gets a little bit troubling, supposedly there cannot be pay-for-play, meaning you clearly can't go out and sign a deal with somebody that has incentives. If you score this many points, if you play this many games, you're not supposed to be able to use it as an inducement for someone to come to a school. That, uh, though in practice, seems to be a, a little bit tougher to to define. You mentioned pay-for-play. All right, let's talk about pay-for-play for a minute. I mean, just brass tacks. Are a lot of schools using this as a situation where you can just buy players? Well, I think, number one, it's important to distinguish between schools and the people who are affiliated or supporters of schools. So, one look, it gets pretty hard to defend some of these where you see on Twitter over the weekend where somebody signs with a school and then moments later, it's announced that they've got a big NIL deal. We saw one, what, Miami, 400000 a year for two years plus a car. That, I mean, it's not like Miami is ever abided by the rules, let's be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – the, the <laughs> yeah, the U is always the U, right? Um, so, but it gets – but the idea, though, is you're not supposed to be able to pay them for playing. You're not supposed to incentivize for playing. And you got to keep this in mind, too. Something has to be exchanged. So a player just can't be given money, and that's it. They have to either allow you to use their rights, they have to promote your products, they have to do social media interactions. It could be that they have to show up for things. There's a lot of different things that could be done, but there has to be a quid pro quo. Now, sometimes people laugh when you say, well, what do you mean they made social media posts? Big deal. Sometimes, look, we live in an influencer world now, and there's a whole bunch of people becoming famous for reasons that I don't fully understand just for being famous. It, it's a it's a weird dynamic, but you take there's a gymnast at LSU who's got something like over 4 million followers on TikTok, nearly 2 million on Instagram. You know, if she decides to wear your corporate logo, people are going to notice. And so there is some value to somebody in having having her do that that is entirely unrelated to her being a gymnast. I know we say we can't do pay-for-play, and, and that that is not, quote-unquote, supposed to happen. But when you start looking at these NIL deals at different schools, you can't you can't tell me that that does not attract the next generation of players, the next guys coming into your program. No, it absolutely does. But what I would say to you is it's a little bit like Nashville attracts country musicians. Uh, L.A. and New York attract aspiring models or actresses. And so if you are a enterprising young basketball player, you're going to go where the sport appears to be valued and you can maximize your chances to get NIL deals. And that, from all interpretations, appears to be okay. So does it have an impact? Yeah, it, it does. And I think 
we're particularly seeing it right now. I think the thing that is really front and center right now is the transfer portal. I think that's where you're where you're really seeing this thing. Yeah, you mentioned transfer portal. That's kind of where I wanted to get at because you, you said a while ago, notwithstanding the transfer portal and talking about NIL, but what is NIL being used for? Because you have to think that the transfer portal is one of those reasons. Yeah, I think really there's four classes of athletes that NIL impacts. The first is players who are already on your campus who could go in the draft. Um, if you want a Mississippi State example, I'd say Makai Polk. You know, had this been in place, had it been rolling, maybe a guy like that you can talk into staying another year. You think basketball, how much better are you if DJ Stewart doesn't go in the draft? In baseball, how much better are we if Houston Harding hadn't gone on the draft? I'd argue in baseball we'd have three or four more wins right now if he were here. And so you look at that type of player. I go back to Ole Miss last year in football. You know, why were they so good? Because they had a lot of old guys. We're going to have some older guys this year. NIL initiatives that are smart are going to find value in those players who are older and who want to stay around and maybe forego the draft for another year. So that's one class. The second class is players who are thinking about transferring, so guys on your campus that could leave. The third group, I'd say, are players who are in the portal looking for a place to go. And then the fourth group of athletes that you kind of deal with are players who were in high school. So there's no question really to me that the easiest groups to do deals with and be perfectly legal in doing it are players who are on your campus who may go in the draft, players who are on your campus that you'd like to make happy where they are so they don't go in the portal, guys who are in the portal, what are they going to look around and see? Hey, I want to go a place where guys are getting deals. And then ultimately in high school, again, you go back to the rule it can't be used as an inducement you can't go give an nil deal to a high school kid and then try to make them as a result of that go to your school but let's not be blind here what's going to happen is a lot of high school kids are going to look around the same way guys in the transfer portal are and say hey there's deals available there you know when nick saban went out last year and started talking about how much money bryce young was getting in the in the nil deals that wasn't an accident. That wasn't a slip of the tongue. That was a message to every high school quarterback out there. Hey, we got some money. So it's not an inducement, at least directly to the kid, but people know what's going on. These guys are smart, and they know where the where the deals are. Seems like a fine line. There's a fine line between inducement and not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, there absolutely is. All right. Hey, Charlie, listen. You're involved in putting together something called the Bulldog Initiative, and we saw a lot of that with social media this past weekend, the Bulldog Initiative. What is the Bulldog Initiative? So basically the Bulldog Initiative is an entity that I formed for the purpose of trying to help create, find, and fund NIL opportunities for Mississippi State athletes in particular. Essentially what we're trying to do is to give the athletes who come here a chance to monetize their name, image, and likeness, and whether that's creating content, whether it's finding support through other entities, connecting fans, businesses, you name it, we're just trying to create opportunities for Mississippi State athletes. Hey, it seems like I'm just asking a bunch of questions because I am asking a bunch of questions because I do have a lot of questions. The first thing that and I And you're have, not afraid to ask the tough questions. I'm not afraid to ask the tough questions. And so I, I see what you do on a daily basis, and I see what we're doing – from a podcast standpoint, I mean, we're both going a thousand miles 
an hour in so many different directions. You seem to have enough to do going on right now. Why are you doing this? Well, I think it's worth pointing out that this is not something I ever intended to do. It wasn't anything I was looking to do. Uh, but I was sitting around and candidly um, kind of playing on Twitter, playing on message boards, and people are saying, why aren't we doing anything? And ultimately, I kind of looked around. I thought about it, and I thought there's a need, and I thought, well, somebody ought to do something. I didn't really want that somebody to be me necessarily, but I, I just looked around and thought somebody needed to get involved. And, you know, there's there are other companies out there, and there are other entities out there who are doing a valuable service in the NIL role. I want to, I want to be very clear when I say that. My approach was just a little bit different. And I'll tell you one that, that I like. They're really good people. Uh, there's a group out there called CrowdPush. And so what CrowdPush is trying to do, and I don't want to speak for them, but I, I think I reasonably understand what they're trying to do, which is to raise money through kind of solicitations for a team and then to, to spread that money across NIL deals with a full team. Okay, so if they take in money, it would go out to a team and be split. And that's important to do. It is important that we touch as many athletes on this campus as we possibly can. But what I was trying to do is work from the other end of the issue, so to speak. And so what I was trying to do, though, was not so much kind of a, a broad thing, but basically to identify issues and to attack them head on. So I do not envision, as an example, doing as many deals. But what I want to try to do is to do some that are more targeted, to identifying opportunities that are based on NIL and what I perceive the value of that NIL to be. And so you say, okay, what does that mean? Why isn't everybody the same? Look, man, look at the NFL, right? So if you look around the NFL, not every position gets paid the same. There are clearly positions that are valued. There are clearly players who are valued. And sometimes you just have to step in and address specific needs. That's more the approach I'm taking. It's not to say it's right or wrong. One's better than the other. My thought, though, was to to attack it from that end of the problem. As they say down on the farm, you're going where the fire is the hottest. Yeah, I think that's a fair way. And, and so I go back to the to the gymnast that we were talking about. You say, well, how does somebody have NIL? I mean, there's a lot of ways that somebody can have value in their NIL. It could be the number of followers they have. It could be the amount of exposure they have. It could be the fact that they've generated value to their name, image, and likeness by playing well, by being important to their team. Think back a couple of years ago, what might Jake Mangum have made if we had these NIL opportunities at the time? Why? Part of it was because Jake's a heck of a guy. Part of it's because he is just brilliant in terms of visiting with the media and making presentations. The other part is he was pretty dang good. I mean, he got to be the hits leader for a reason. And so all those things go into it. And from my standpoint, you want to identify people like that who have that value and then, as you say, uh, attack where the fire is the hottest. All right, so what's it look like? How does the Bulldog Initiative work? Well, I guess I, in answering that, I can tell you a little bit about what I've been up to. And I, I think the first thing I wanted to do, and you got to understand this about me, I'm a little more deliberate in, in terms of doing things. There are a lot of people in the NIL game who kind of dove head first, who are doing a lot of stuff. That's not, that's not me. It kind of goes back to what does the doctors take? Hippocratic Oath, is that the name of it? You yeah. Know, first, do no harm. And so kind of for me, you know, rule number one, first, do no harm. And so the first thing I wanted to do was to go see if we had support, to see if as we went around, if, if people were interested in what we were trying to do. And I'm happy to say that we've had significant support. Uh, but I thought before I ever hinted 
went public or anything else, you had to go have some conversations with people who were capable of making this thing go, and you want to make sure you had that support there. So we did that. And so we're going to continue to, to reach out to those people who can make significant investments in what we're trying to do to, to help make this work. Related to that, though, I'm a big believer in the idea that everybody, that all of us as Mississippi State fans, need a chance to participate. So, you know, you'll catch some people that kind of almost mock the people who, you know, at other schools, you know, ha, you're just taking small donations. You're dang right, because I think you need the big, you need the small. And if we're going to do this, we got to do as a family and everybody who can help according to their means. I don't care if it's five bucks. Everything adds up. Everything matters. So that's what we're doing in terms of trying to solicit funds. But the second thing I think that's important to note is what we're not doing, and that is we are not at all trying to monopolize the NIL space. If somebody has a business out there and they want to go do a deal with an athlete, man, have at it. We're, we're 100% on board with that. And we'll help you do it if we need to. You know, so there's a lot of businesses, as I've gone around and talked, and they've said, man, I'd love to get a player to come do something. we got a sale. I'd love to have a player there. But I don't want to go through getting contracts done. I don't want to deal with giving them tax reporting. We'll help them. We'll help them do those things. So not only will we do deals directly with athletes and raise funds that help us do that, uh, the other thing that we'll do, though, is we'll help businesses who want to do deals with athletes to kind of, to help make that work if we can. But one thing I want to say on that, Bart, just to, as I'm thinking through the things of what we want to do, you know, there's this idea that's out there, and it's just absolutely wrong, that it is a process of you collect money and give it to a player. And what I tell you is the workload in trying to make something like this work is absolutely staggering. Um, I literally have hundreds of hours into trying to figure this out, and then you start to look, what do you have to do? you got to negotiate contracts. You have to get those contracts approved. You have to arrange for the quid pro quo, whether it's a video production, whether it's an appearance. Then there's tax ramifications. That's the thing a lot of people miss. And I think, candidly, some of the athletes at other schools maybe haven't been educated on is they're going to be taxed on the money they get. So somebody's got to deal with accountants. Somebody's got to deal with 1099s. There's a whole, whole bunch that goes into it. We're trying to attack as many of those things as we can. It seems like just to do it right. I mean, this is not just a hodgepodge situation of trying to make a quick buck on somebody from another school. Your Mississippi State guy want to do it the right way. That's that's the positive things. You talk about exclusivity, and some people are trying to buy all the players' NIL rights. Are you saying the initiative is not going to buy all the NIL rights and make it exclusive? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I think are different about us, and I think rule number one is it's very, very important to us that we protect the athletes. Again, we don't want an athlete who does a deal with us to be foreclosed from doing other deals. We want them to do as many as they can. And so none of our contracts will be exclusive in any way. They'll make appearances for us. They'll do what they need to. But, man, if they can do something else that doesn't interfere with their rights or their ability to do that, then, then have at it because that's one thing. So, no, we are not going to be exclusive. And, you know, there's other things that we're going to do. I talked a minute ago about tax obligations. One of the things we're going to do is spend time on all these guys working towards education on tax liability and making sure that we plan in advance. Here's one a lot of people haven't thought of. Depending on how much money a player gets, 
it can jeopardize their ability to get a Pell Grant. And so we're going to work really hard to, to make sure we don't do those things. So you start peeling back the onion of all the things you got to deal with and really just kind of educating them. Those are all things that we're trying to do. Okay, if I'm a guy wanting to give money to this initiative and I want to make sure I'm protected from a standpoint of I don't want to give a lump sum of, of money for an NIL deal and then all of a sudden guys that are involved in the NIL deal decide to hit the transfer portal. How am I protected? Yeah. How is my investment protected? So that's a, a really good question. And some people have asked, all right, why are you just now talking about this? Why wouldn't you say more about this last week? Why are you waiting now on May 2nd? May 2nd's a really important day. And this goes back to having to really understand things. We talked about that one free transfer that people get. May 1 is the deadline to use that. So last week, if somebody had gone out and announced a big deal, I could have gone in the transfer portal on Saturday and be playing at Oklahoma here in a few weeks, and everybody would be really upset if they'd been given money if it's part of an NIL deal that they contributed to in advance. So part of what you got to do is understand kind of all the ramifications. The second thing that you got to do is you got to build in protections in your contracts. So on a lot of these deals, what you would see is they'd be structured over time so that if a player leaves, uh, if a player is kicked off the team for reasons of moral turpitude, maybe, well, a brush with the law that is, is something more than and it happens. Than unfortunate. Oh, look, I mean, we've seen it. And look, I mean, you think back about how many players we've had who going into a season, somebody might have been perfectly happy to make a big deal and give them a, a big deal up front, and then they aren't here by the end of the year, be it conduct or be it what, what have you. And in many cases, sometimes those guys are kind of celebrated going into the year. No, and it'd be, look, keep in mind, this isn't something unfair. It'd be no different than Tiger Woods or any other athlete. You can lose endorsements if your conduct brings kind of disfavor on the entity that you're endorsing. And so how are we going to do it? We're going to be smart about deadlines. We're going to be smart about understanding where players fit. And then what we're going to do is structure these things and make sure that there are provisions that take care of us. Now, look, let me be clear. Nobody, we can't see the future. Nobody's going to bat a 1,000 on these things. They're just not. But what you want to have is the highest batting average possible because at Mississippi State, we've got to be really smart about how we do things. All right, Charlie, we've talked about the whys, you know, why you do this. And at the end of the day, you know, you can like it, you could dislike it. And I've talked to several different people who, hey, I, I don't like where this is going. I like where this is going. I don't mind where this is going. But at the end of the day, this is kind of the new norm in college sports. And so at the end of the day, you need people to invest in this thing. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I, I read a book not too long ago. I think it was almost a miracle talking about the American Revolution. And it mentioned one of the advisors to George Washington. It made this point several times. It said that his greatest strength was seeing things how they were not how he wanted them to be. And I thought of that quote as I was thinking about NIL, because if we see this through the eyes of the system we want it to be, I think a lot of us would just love a good old pure amateurism in kind of this ideal world, but that's not going to happen. That, that's done. It's over. This world is here, and so we have to see it. And so then you, it just comes down to this. For deals to be done, there has to be investment. There has to be money. And otherwise, it just it just doesn't work. 
sometimes the first thing we think of is the big three, football, men's basketball, baseball. And we've seen it here take off over the last several years about women's basketball. Say I'm a guy who loves women's basketball. Is there a way for me to help in that situation? Yes, absolutely. One of the things that we're working to do within the Bulldog Initiative is if someone has a sport that they prefer. Now, look, most of our gifts, to be quite candid, have been unrestricted. And it has been the type of thing where people have said, look, Charlie, we believe in what you're doing. We trust you. You go fight the fires that you think we need to fight. You go do the deals that you think elevate the profile and that are the opportunities we need to identify. But sometimes, and this is perfectly acceptable, sometimes people say, look, here's a gift that I'm making, and what we want to do is we want to support women's basketball. We want to support volleyball, softball. And candidly, look, we're going to be rolling out some deals here before too long. And I'll tell you right now, you're going to see football, you're going to see basketball, men's and women's. You're going to see volleyball. And the reason that you're going to see those things is, one, because we appreciate the athletes involved, but also because we have people who have invested in what we're trying to do who value those sports as well. And we're going to hit every one of those bases. So, again, if somebody decides they want to participate, and we hope they will, but they really have a specific sport, then we'll absolutely help them do that. So then the question becomes, who decides where the money goes? Who decides where the money for the Bulldog Initiative, who decides where the, all that money goes to what specific athletes who makes that decision? Yeah, and let me begin by saying, first of all, who can't decide and kind of explain it that way. The first thing is the coaching staff can't decide. The university can't decide. The athletic director can't decide. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. The first is keep in mind that the university itself is prohibited by law from doing deals. They can't enter into NIL deals with student-athletes, nor can they legally go too far, at least, in terms of directing where those go. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'll give you one that's very notable, and that's Title IX. So if a university were to be determined to be directing where deals went, then all of a sudden Title IX may kick in, and now you're talking about having to raise the same. We get into all the problems that Ron Polk has talked about for years. And so ultimately what will happen is, I would say periodically, but it's more like daily. We sit down with some of our some of our investors and we keep our ear to the ground. We keep a really good understanding of where the needs are. You know, eyes open, ears open, and then we make those decisions. You know, ultimately, I guess you could say the buck stops with me, but I can promise you that in doing that, I'm keeping keeping my ears open. Now, it could be that we do a deal with somebody and it could easily hit the you know, message boards and somebody's saying, well, who on earth thought you needed to do, you know, what, what's Charlie doing tonight? I don't, look, I respect all our athletes, so I'm purely hypothetical here, of course. I can think of a few. Okay, so purely hypothetical. But if that's the case, what you've got to understand is sometimes people are making donations and uh, when they're making significant donations and maybe value something. Look, sometimes you would see, for example, um, somebody's got a sentimental attachment to a position. Maybe that somebody played a position here, and they want to enter into NIL deals with somebody who played that position. So there's a lot that goes into the decision-making, but every bit of it requires on staying informed and making good decisions. And so ultimately, like I said, it kind of falls to me and and then the people I trust to help me do that. All right, going back to the point 
about the deal at Miami, and you start seeing you know how much a player is getting, when you announce a deal, are you going to say what the terms are? No, absolutely, positively not. And there's a couple of reasons for that, and I think the Miami experience shows why. You saw that that deal was announced, and what was the very next move that was made? One of his teammates basically said, I want a better deal or I'm out of here. You know, I'm going in the portal if I don't get a better deal. And so as much as – and let me say this too. There is a running ton of misinformation that is being shared. It's being shared by kind of these what I'll call street agents. It's being shared by people behind the scenes. It's being kind of blown up by the Internet. There are a whole lot of strings being attached to things that aren't necessarily being reported. But So I recognize that, you know, when you don't say things, it leads to the possibility of speculation. But I'm trying to protect against the issue that they had at Miami. I'm trying to protect against disharmony in a locker room. And so there are a lot of things going on. But, no, nobody should reach any conclusions whatsoever about the terms of an agreement because one has been announced. Hey, I deal in fundraising all day. And so many times when I deal with people, they say, okay, I want to know where the money is going. I want to know exactly what my money is going to be paying for. Some people are going to say that, that I want to know where the money is going that I give. Yeah, and I get that. And if I were giving money, I'd want to know that too. But like I said, I I just think you're putting an absolute mess on your hands if all of a sudden everything you do, you're announcing, hey, we're giving this person X thousand dollars and this person X thousand dollars. It just leads to way too much disharmony. I think it's like any business. When you go out and you do uh, deals for vendors in your office, you don't tell the water guy what you're paying for paper, okay? Sometimes you just got to do the deal as you go and you make the best deal as you can. And and ultimately, look, this won't be, there will be some people who listen to that and say, man, that's not good enough for me. And if that's the case, man, I totally understand. And what I'd say is, then go do some deals on your own. I'll help you do them. Don't trust me if you don't. But I'd like to think that over the years, I'd like to think that in the time, at least the people who listen to our podcast, A lot of things you could say about me, but I I would like to think that uh, my love and appreciation for Mississippi State would be one of the things that wouldn't be questioned. So uh, how much money are you making on this deal? (laughs) Yeah, well, I figured you were going to ask me that. Um, You know what? It's pretty interesting because that's the question that – one of the questions I get asked most. I get asked two questions kind of related to that. One, how much money goes to the athletes – and two, how much money are you making? I will tell you that as far as how much am I making, to date I have made nothing, uh, quite the opposite. Um, I've donated. As I mentioned earlier, I've spent hundreds of hours doing this. I've spent hundreds of dollars. Uh, if my wife's listening, hundreds of dollars. Uh, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Um, and look, I've dedicated an employee uh, to this for the past couple of months. Uh, I've been all over the state of Mississippi. I've been spending my day on the telephone. Um, so needless to say, I'm tired. I don't sleep much. Uh, and I may go broke on this, but I care about it working. So uh, look, any business like this, ultimately what you want to see is, is it going to succeed? If it does succeed, then look, I hope that we're spending money on staff. I hope that I hope we got a development officer. I hope we have somebody having to run this thing that it's so successful. And if it does, then then we'll adjust and go for there. If it doesn't work, 
then we're not going to need all that. So right now, my focus is is trying to is trying to make it work. But at the end of the day, to be successful and to be competitive in Division One sports, it's got to work. From a Mississippi State standpoint, it's got to work. Well, something has to. Like I said, my biggest goal at the end of the day was to at least go to bed at night knowing that I gave it my all and I tried, and I tried to help Mississippi State. And look, I'm not alone. Look, let me be clear. There are people all over the state who are, are helping with this and who are working, and not one person has asked for anything. All we're trying to do is to, to help Mississippi State and Mississippi State athletes. So most of us going to go the athletes. Just about all of us going to go the athletes. Yeah. Now, there's look, there's some things that are going to have to happen, and it's kind of funny because I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were, look, man, you've got to give – all this money has got to pass through, but you got to deal with the taxes – but you need a website, but you need cards, but you need letterhead, but you need an email address, but, but, but. And all of a sudden, they want you to do all these things. I'm like, well, where's that coming from? I mean, ultimately, there has to be some amount. Like I was talking to somebody today, you know, well, you need, you know, X percent going to the, the players, but you also need fundraisers out on the road. Well, something's got to give somewhere along the way. I will say this, though. I have been looking everywhere to try to get a feel I think you have heard from our discussions, you've heard of one school where 20% is coming off the top. I heard from another today that's been verified 25% has been coming off the top for administration. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what we're about. Um, we're we got to be different here. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, because people will say all the time, well, we can't compete with Texas A&M. And that's one of the reasons people say they don't want to get involved in this. Well, we can't compete with Alabama. We can't compete with A&M. Can't compete with Ohio State. Well, here, I mean, here's a newsflash. They've always had more. That's not a new fight. This, that problem didn't come when NIL came. We've always been dealing with that. But how do you compete? You'd be a little different. You'd be a little smarter. You'd be a little more nimble. And you find some people who are willing just to help, not because they need a bunch of credit for doing it, but because they care about Mississippi State. If you're a web designer – Hey, yeah. give me a call because uh, I still Train. need. And, you know, that's the other thing that sometimes people, you know, uh, you know, will criticize you a little bit for. Well, why don't you have a big announcement? Why don't you have a web page? Why don't you have – you talk about running on the treadmill. For the past two months, I'm averaging less than four hours of sleep a night. It's just a lot to make this work. And that's not a complaint. It's a labor of love. But I am looking forward. I feel a little bit relieved. Last week when I sent out that tweet on the Bulldog Initiative Twitter account, it was honestly, I was sitting there, I was watching the NFL draft, and I just decided we can't wait anymore. We can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It's time to go. It's time to tell people what we're doing. And we have to make this work. And if not me, somebody else has got to go make it work. All right. I'm normally the sales guy. Of us two, I'm the sales guy. I don't know. Just people trust me, maybe. Sell me on this. I want you to, I want you to jump into my shoes, and I want you to sell me on this. <laughs> well, I think the only thing I can tell you is this. Um, number one, again, I go back to something we said earlier. If we don't do something, we're going to get left behind. If we don't do something, our athletic department's going to look like Vanderbilt without the big endowment sitting behind us. There is literally, people say, hey, this is going to go away. We're going to have federal legislation. Something is going to happen over the next five years. And that may be true. But during that period of time, the deck is going to be reshuffled. Guys are going to filter up. Guys are going to filter down strictly based on how well 
they manage this issue. And wherever you filter is going to be where you restart when all this happens. Look, how we know how much history means. I would honestly say to you that this is one of the biggest opportunities and one of the biggest risks that we've ever seen in Mississippi State Athletics. You want to erase kind of being behind? Well, now's the time we got to step up. Now's the time in baseball. How much have we complained over the years that Vanderbilt has full scholarships and we don't? If that matters to us, let's go fix it because we can. We can fully fund baseball scholarships right now, and we don't even need that much money comparatively to do it. If we don't answer the call, then let's quit complaining. If we want to make a difference in basketball, I want to tell you this too. This goes back to being smarter. Basketball, there are players out there who can make a difference if you create the environment where they want to be at your school, wherever that school is, you can't. We can't sit around and complain anymore that we can't or we didn't have an option. We got the power right now. And again, like I said, here's my deal. If you don't want to get involved with what we're doing, that's fine. But just get involved somewhere because we've got a chance to make a difference. And if we don't, we're going to be dealing with the consequences of it for a long, long time. You've been out. You've been talking about this for a couple months. What's the biggest question you've gotten asked? <laughs> That's easy. It's come up every single time. Um, man, I bet the Bulldog Club hates this. I bet the university hates this. I bet I bet John Cohen hates this. Uh, nothing is be further from the truth. Within the bounds of the law, Mississippi State University has been as supportive of people, myself included, trying to arrange NIL programs as they can possibly be. And if the idea is that somehow this isn't wanted, it isn't appreciated, um, that's a commonly shared belief, but I can, I can absolutely tell you it's not true. All right, biggest concern, personally. Well, the, the big concern is we got to make it work. Uh, the biggest concern in terms of me getting involved was uh, just reputational, to be honest. You know, we've talked about this before on this show. It, it seems really weird to people when you say, given that what we do, that I'm a little bit of an introvert. Um, I think you've kind of acknowledged having that issue sometimes. You know, people hear you talk and they think that's all you want to do. Yeah, sometimes I want to sit in the corner at Two Brothers and eat my smoke wings put together my book sometimes and not talk to people. I'm that way sometimes. Yeah, and so there's part of it, you know, for me is kind of the the issue of just putting it out there and putting yourself out there, putting your ideas out there. You know, I read message boards from time to time, and, you know, there's a propensity now and then on Twitter and on message boards to just kind of kick the heck out of you if they think you aren't doing something right, if they think you ought to be doing it better or why haven't you done it already. And to be honest with you, that was a little bit, of a deterrent, but ultimately what I decided was, um, look, I get it. There's an opportunity for people to question what I'm doing, what my motives are and why, what you ultimately hope is that you've built up a good enough name for yourself, that people trust you, that people will understand where your loyalties are. And what I decided honestly is, you know, look, let's be honest. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a billionaire. I don't have the ability to do a lot of things for Mississippi state that other people can, uh, but what I can do is roll up my sleeves and I can get to work and I can love it. I can do the homework that needs to be done. I can get an understanding of where we can help and um, I can do my best. And if, if I fail, you know, maybe I'll be posting on Twitter the old Teddy Roosevelt man in the arena quote a little while. 
Um, I hope that's not the case because I'm going to go down swinging. I'm going to be able to put my head on my pillow and know that I gave it my best effort. And I believe, I firmly believe, or I wouldn't be talking with you about this now, I absolutely firmly believe that we can make a positive change in the trajectory of our sports teams, in the lives of our student athletes, and I believe this is going to work, and I believe it has to work. What's that quote about opportunities? Great moments. Great moments born from great opportunities. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's what we're looking at right now. And so, hey, that's a look at the Bulldog Initiative. And uh, All right, so you tell me um, what I miss here. Man, I think, you, I think you got it all. I was trying to think of a thousand different questions I ask you. I think you got it all. One of the things we haven't talked about is our sponsors. And one of those sponsors is Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can possibly find. And they it's produced right here in the Mississippi Delta over in Itabina. They've got all the farms. You're talking about farm to table. Farm it. They process it. Put it in a package. You get it at your grocery store. Then you eat it. It's great stuff. And you can also get it at great restaurants throughout the southeast. And one of those great restaurants, and we talked about this last week, is Grumpy's Getaway. And, hey, let me tell you this. It's just north of Little Rock. It's kind of a little oasis up there. You can get steaks. You can get soups. You can get all kind of stuff at Grumpy's Getaway. But they got great catfish, great Mississippi catfish po' boy. It's this great stuff up there at Grumpy's Getaway in Arkansas. And they serve that great catfish from our good friends at Heartland Catfish. And also our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi, down in Florence, Mississippi. Talk about that great Country Pleasing flavor. So many different varieties with Country Pleasing. Big ball games this weekend here in Startwell, three games. So if you're coming up to Startwell to Duty Noble for the series against the Florida Gators, you can buy the Country Pleasing Sausage Dogs at the ball games. But if you got an outdoors of outfield spot, get somebody to put a big, big old stick of that on the grill for you. And so, anyway, our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage bringing you the Monday show. Charlie, I'm just trying to think of something else, man, before we get out of here. Well, one thing I should have said is how I can be contacted. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so you'll like our email address, by the way. So I am C. Winfield. C. Winfield. At bulldog.ms. C. Winfield at bulldog.ms. Dot .ms. And happy to, happy to visit, happy to talk. And like I said, uh, happy for anybody who's willing to spread the word because we certainly would appreciate the help. This thing's gotten going pretty good so far, hasn't it? Yeah, I've actually been really, really happy with the reaction that we've gotten. Uh, I've been happy about the buy-in that we've gotten. And look, basically what I I promised myself is that uh, having kind of opened my big mouth and gotten into this, I wasn't going to open it again and go a little more public with what we were trying to do until I felt like we were going to make it and we're going to make it. Hey, man. Big opportunity for state fans. Big opportunity for Mississippi State, the Mississippi State family. We always talk about the family. And so this is a big moment, kind of a crossroads for athletics across the country, for everybody, especially here in the Southeastern Conference. Hey, Charlie, enjoyed it as always. I thought it was important too. I mean, hey, we kind of know what we went through this past weekend. And we don't really talk about baseball. Not today. Not today. But, hey, this is important stuff. And so if, if you think you missed something in there and you have any questions, email Charlie C. Winfield at bulldog. 
dot ms. Is it bulldog or with an s? No, bulldog. Bulldog dot ms dot ms. Hey, so that reminds me. By the way, I do have to clear up one thing. Um, you know our friend Robbie Falk. The comment that I made to you earlier about being willing to ask the tough questions. Robbie is scared to ask the tough questions. You know, that was the kind of the Twitter thing that got going. And so <laughs> I like made what I thought was kind of an innocent joke, you know, because Robbie was like, people were piling on Robbie and he said, you know, like I'm, it's not my job or whatever. I'm not there. And I responded and said exactly what you would expect somebody to say if they were scared to have to ask the tough questions that I thought was kind of, you know, and then people uh, replying to you, like coming off the top row. Oh, yeah. You know, like, and so actually a friend, um, a friend, a college-age friend of mine got a message when he was standing with me one day and uh, from a buddy and said, hey, did Charlie and Robbie hate each other? And he was like, no. And he was like, dang. It's kind of like disappointed that there wasn't like some blood feud between me and Robbie Falk. We, but, all, like, we all like rivalries. Hey, yeah. we like all of our guys. Hey, Dad, Robbie, Joel T, Logan, Steve, we all get along. Yeah, we're that's all, the thing. We're all know. friends when we get in the when we get in the press box. We all eat together. We like each other, and so hey, yeah. Uh, so no blood feud, none between Robbie Falk and me. Hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on the Monday show. A little bit different today, but it's something you need to hear and something you need to understand. And uh, so, if any questions, contact Charlie. Thanks again to our great sponsors. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startwell. And then, of course, our good friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing some great catfish over in the Mississippi Delta. And you can get that catfish at Grumpy's Getaway. A lot of folks go up to the lakes in northern Arkansas over the summer. And so look up Grumpy's Getaway in Rosedale, Arkansas, and uh, you can head that way. And definitely one of those places to stop, and it's fantastic. And then our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage, Country Meat Packers, and also our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your banking needs. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on the Monday show.